Hey, you busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but have you noticed that the older you get, maybe even the wiser that you become, you realize you can't share everything with everyone? And not like gossip or anything else, like e even worse, that you can't share things that you're excited about with everyone that you care about. There's just some people you're like, nope, because if I tell you, you're going to go ahead and tell such and such, and I'm not ready to respond or even hear back from the such and suchers, so I'm just going to go ahead and keep such to myself. <laughs> you understand? You're like, mm-mm. Or it's the, listen, I still haven't worked out all the kinks, so you're going to ask me questions. I don't, I don't really know as of yet. I'm still trying to get together what I want to do and all the happenings. So I don't want you confusing me with your questions because I still got questions. So I'm going to just be quiet. So nobody has no questions or you don't want anyone else's doubt to enter the chat of the faith that you're texting between you and God. Like literally, I hate to say it. I think one of the saddest things that was ever told to me by a family member once I experienced like, yo, I shared this particular part of my excitement with this particular family member and it didn't go so well. And instead of me, I started off excited, but once I got off the phone, I was like, I don't think I should have shared that. And the response that was given to me was, and I quote, if there's anything that you're excited about or that you care about, make sure that you don't tell such and such because she's small minded. And I was like, I don't know if I can accept that. I don't know if I didn't want to accept that that particular relative is air quote small minded or if I didn't want the notion debunked that you can't share your heart's desires with the people that's in your heart for whatever the reason trying to make that make sense in my mind just it it felt like an oxymoron if I'm excited about something someone a venture e or the above then even if you yourself see oh I'm not equipped the least you can do is be excited for me isn't excitement and cheering someone on free like it's not costing you anything you don't have to input any particular resource, any time, any energy. The only thing you're doing is being a supportive clap and which should already be an audience of people I care about. So to have it where you even have to configure in your mind, why don't you cheer for me if I care about you? Or the reverse or the same rather. Why don't you cheer for the people you care about? And I think for some reason it has to do with when people are looking at your particular venture and the things that you're attacking in your life, instead of looking at you like go get them champ, for some reason I think they may or may not place themselves in your shoes. Like when you show someone something, you're like, ooh, I love this particular item. They look at it like, eh, 
I don't really like it. I didn't ask you if you would purchase this with your money to purchase this for you. I said, man, I really like it. So every statement that should come after that should be something supporting I, supporting me, not you. And it's almost like selfish people can't take themselves out of the equation. If such and such is dating someone and they like him and they think that he's cute, who cares that you think he looks like somebody else's, you know, unattractive grandbaby? Who cares? You're not having kids with him. You don't have to kiss his face. It don't matter. As long as there's not something that is obviously like, yo, I don't like the way he treats you. I don't like the way he talks to you. I don't like the way he covers you. I don't like the way he doesn't compliment where you're going. Something that would actually really deter someone's future. Then you shut up. Who cares that he's shorter than what you would have liked? Who cares that, you know, he's not, he don't have all the teeth that he should have as an adult. Who cares? That's somebody's grandbaby and she chose to love that grandbaby. You see what I'm saying? Somebody gets excited about a job they're getting ready to, to interview for and you got something to say. Why? Who cares? If you're not interviewing for it, if it's not scaled to your particular setting and, and skill set, who cares? Why don't we as a people start getting to a place that we start actually executing and meaning the following? I'm proud of you. Wow, you did that by yourself? Wow, you went ahead and took that on? Wow, you thought that up yourself? Oh my goodness, what made you think of that? Why don't we start indulging the people that we care about? Oh, you got a house? Are you on the search for a house? What kind of house would you like? Oh, what made you look at that particular bedroom footage? How come blah, blah, blah. But you know what people do now? Well, why don't you get this many bedrooms instead? Well, why are you moving so far out? Well, how come this not a third? And it's because the bottom line, the common denominator of it is that people are factoring themselves into your equation. What they're really trying to say is, man, I don't want to be that far from you. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. Leaving and going afar is a biblical thing. Hmm. Oh, you think I don't read my Bible? Let me tell. All right. Okay. So watch this. So when Abram and uh, Sarai left Abram's father's house, he went so far that God was like, yo, keep walking. And I'll tell you when to stop. Yeah, y'all shouldn't, shouldn't be that close to your father in, in the first place. I'm sorry. Imagine Abram's father saying, uh, where y'all going? Well, who you with? Oh, you got plans? <laughs> what if he started questioning, well, why you got to leave that far? I mean, you and Sarah have been here this whole entire time. We might as well just keep up. You know I'm getting old. Who going to look after the sheep and the cattle and things? I mean, at this point, you might as well just, I'm going to leave it to you anyway. I ain't going to be here but so much longer. I'm so glad that Abram's father didn't enter himself into the equation because what he ultimately would have done is forced and contorted Abram to miss out on being obedient to God. Sometimes people don't realize that when they enter themselves into your equation, they are interfering with God. Just like when Joseph told his brothers, Hey, I had a dream 
bro, y'all finna be serving me. I'm gonna be in this particular. And they entered their own emotion and how they felt about his dream into the equation. And they were like, uh uh-uh, uh, I don't wanna serve him. He's the youngest. He ain't finna bring shame to me. So what did they do? They contorted all the things. They went ahead and took his his sweater, put blood on it, put him in a pit, so had him sold to the, you know, to be a slave and all the other things. And they did all of that. They tried to change the, the entire equation. Why? Because they entered themselves into an equation that didn't involve them in the first place. That was a dream that God gave Joseph. It's said in the dream that y'all were going to be serving Joseph. But did you miss the fact that if Joseph is elevated and you serving someone who's elevated, that maybe you would be elevated too? Or did you just capitalize and kind of zone in on timeout? You said, I'm going to be serving you. Uh-uh, I'm not going to be serving you. But did you miss that he could, you could possibly be serving him in a palace? Did you miss that you could possibly be a high command? Did you miss that you probably will have people serving you too? You missed all of that because the part that you focused in on was, oh no, I'm going to be serving my younger brother. And as humans, when we don't see God's picture, we don't see the whole picture. When we don't see God's vision, we go ahead and intercept what he's trying to do. So how did Joseph's brothers try to intercept? They were like, Brian, go hold you. I'm not going to be serving you, but what I will serve you up as a slave to these people. So go ahead and get in this pit. Okay, real quick. You comfortable? Push down. Okay, great. Now stay there until we say stop. <laughs> that's how that's going to go. It is a detriment to you and everything that God has planted in you to be around people who see your purpose as a threat. It is a disservice to you to identify those people and still keep them around because you care about them. It is a detriment. I am sure that that wasn't the first conversation Joseph had with his brothers where his brothers showed, bro, we are jealous of you. Because the Bible illustrates very clearly that Joseph was his father's favorite. So how many years of birthdays going by, Christmases looking different than the other brothers, all the other treatments, how many dinners do you get that extra slab of gravy and the little biscuit that nobody else is getting? How many other treatments additional did you continue to get that your brothers was like, I can't stand this dude, bro. Like, if oh. Oh, I hope he scrape his knee and don't get back up. <laughs> like how, how many, but I'm sure, I am sure just because of human nature that that wasn't the first time his brothers was like, I just want to take you out of the chat, period. You think that one day this boy wakes up and he's like, yo, I had a dream. And they like, nah, um, we want you to die <laughs> like that. I'm sorry, that was zero to 100. That escalated real quickly. Is that how that goes? No, that's not how it goes. It, it, it starts to become a thought based on something that you've seen. Remember Cain and Abel. Cain didn't just one day say, and I think I want him dead. It was the continue like, bro, you, you kind of dope. You do everything right that I don't do right. You offer offering up sacrifices to the Lord. You're embarrassing me. You're making my sacrifices look ch- to the point that God had to say, "Sir, why do you look so sad?" But you could give the same thing. 
It's not like you got scarcity. You just not giving me as much as able, but like real talk, you know, you can change that, right? Because sometimes envy looks at what you have as if that's the only way to get it is to take it from you or to take you out. Rebuke that in the name of Jesus. And what envy fails to realize is that if you took your eyes off of the person and looked at yourself inwardly, you would realize I can produce that also, but with my own imprint. It's not like there was scarcity in that time. Abel was giving up his stuff just because he was wanting to give that particular amount. Cain could have easily said, you know what? And I'll raise you two more bushels of whatever. And could have offered that to the Lord, but he couldn't get to the point of realizing I can elevate because he was stuck on the fact that I have to eliminate. I got to eliminate my competition, even if it's my brother. I got to eliminate the fact that you get in the shine because I'm not shining right now. Yet it's always a moment that is stolen from a person that snatches away the ability to think further. Okay, so how can we fix this? How can we go ahead and, you know, okay, we got bronze this time, but how can we get gold next time? No, it is the moment, and the moment is so permanent that people make permanent decisions because of how you feel in a moment. That's not how that goes. You go back, you train better, you eat better, you come up with a plan, you strategize, and you execute. But instead of executing a plan, you'd rather execute the person, you'd rather execute the person's vision, you'd rather execute the person's dream. That takes way more energy than to go back and do something different in your life. You'd rather fumble what's going on in somebody else's life. That's a character flaw. Yeah, that, that, that's a super character flaw. And so when people don't realize is you, you keeping those kind of people around is dangerous. I'm sure April saw uh, my brother be looking at me funny. He'll be dapping me up the same. When we eat and I'm, I'm down at my plate, I'm like, this is good. And I look back up and buddy just got the dead stare like, okay, you good? I'm like, your, your peas is sweet too? No, like, bro, why are you staring at me like that? Like, do you not understand that human nature, there's a pattern to it. And when you ignore that pattern, it is costly to you. You keep that relative around that always got something to say. Oh, that's, um, but why are you going back to school? Well, okay. Yeah, but how come... But you don't need, why you need to go to live over there? Oh, uh, are you going for that promotion? Didn't you just get promoted? How come it ain't even been six months to a year yet? And you were already offering ma'am. I'm so, turn around. Look at me. You don't have no words to put into my particular story of life. You don't create this life. You didn't create me. And so I would love it if you didn't try to infuse chapters into my life that don't read well for my story. Like, when are we going to get bold enough to start telling those people like, mm, either with our words or with our silence or with both in our proximity to them, that you have to stop infusing you into my life. Like, I'm sorry, I can't have two thrones. I got it. Somebody got a reign and I think I'm going to choose God. 
kind of because he got a little bit one up on you. He know a little bit more. He's been around longer. You know, it's, it's really no comparison. But, like, I really want you to take your throne and give it to goodwill because it doesn't serve a purpose in my life. I can love you, but yet serve my God. And if you love me, you would allow me to serve my God where you don't put anything into my head, anything into my, my life, anything into the chat that is happening in my heart that will look like I have to choose and I have to filter through the emotional impact that you're putting on me versus the spirit, spiritual leading that God is putting in me. If you love me, you won't allow me to choose between the two. If you love me, you won't paint a picture that is so detrimental or so scary or so oppositional to what God's trying to do. You would just move out the way and watch God move in my life. That's how you care about people. And unfortunately, the way that we are maneuvering through this thing called life, the way that we are getting from point A to point B to point C is that I think that we're slowly realizing not that everybody can't go, but that everybody can't know. And sometimes that, that could be a little saddening. It's like, I don't really, I don't like that. I don't like that. I got to be zipped up with the people that is is with you know, that I carry with me. I don't want to feel that. And I, when I was going over this in my heart, I was like, you know what? We can learn a lot from Ruth. Because if it's one thing Ruth understood is how to deal with a uh, a dream killer. And and low key, um, Orpha, she she gets a bad rap. Yep, I'm gonna go ahead and show you. Let's read Ruth um chapter one. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna just read from verse one, okay? Mm -hmm. Let's go ahead and do it. You know, I read in the NLT version. You should know by now. Okay. Verse one in the days when judges ruled in Israel, a severe famine came upon the land. So a man from Bethlehem and Judah left his home and went to live in the country of Moab, taking his wife and two sons with him Two, this man's name was Emelek and his wife was Naomi. Their two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephraites from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. And when they reached Moab, they settled there. Three, then Amalek died and Naomi was left with her two sons. Four, the two sons married Moabite women. One married a woman named Orpah and the other a woman named Ruth. But about 10 years later, both Milion and Kilion died. This left Naomi alone with her two sons, without her two sons or husband. Six, then Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had blessed his people in Judah by giving them good crops again. So Naomi and her daughters-in-law got ready to leave Moab to return to her homeland. With her two daughters-in-law, she set out from the place where she had been living, and they took the road that would lead them back to Judah. Eight, but on the way, Naomi said, to her two daughters-in-law, go back to your mother's homes and may the Lord reward you for your kindness to your husbands and to me. Nine, may the Lord bless you with security of another marriage. Then she kissed them goodbye and they all broke down and wept. Ten, no, they said, we want to go with you to your people. Eleven, but Naomi replied, why should you go on with me? Can I still give birth to other sons who would grow up to be your husbands? Twelve. No, 
my daughters, return to your parents' homes, for I'm too old to marry again. And even if I were possible and I were to get married tonight and bear sons, then what? Would you wait for them to grow up and refuse to marry someone else? No, of course not, my daughters. Things are far more bitter for me than for you because the Lord himself has raised his fist against me. 14. And again, they wept together. And Orpha kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. 15. Look, Naomi said to her. Your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. You should do the same. 16. But Ruth replied, Don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die. We be done in the name of Jesus. And there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. We be in the name of Jesus. 18. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. Time to unpack this because very much very much very much let me tell you why i gave the hand clap of praise to ruth um because she knew how to shut up the mouth and the lack of motivation and the bitterness and everything else that Naomi was going ahead and protruding on her life and her canvas of life very much knew how to shut it up. What was the key ingredient class? Determination. Sometimes you got to look somebody in their face and go, I know that's how you feel, but you're not going to paint that picture for me. I know that's how you see that dream, but that's not how I see it. I know you're trying to vision cast when I'm trying to dream cast, but I can't let you be the forecast over my future. Sometimes you got to look at people and go, I understand what you're saying and I care about you, but I'm going to shut you down because I'm determined to see a different outcome. Oh my gosh, Ruth. How incredible to stand on all ten toes and say, Naomi, with all due respect, shut up. <laughs> Don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me what to go. I'm a grown woman. I've been leading my life up until this point. I know what I can and cannot do. And you can and cannot tell me what I'm getting ready to do. Oh, if we just stood up to people in that fashion. hmm. But Oprah gets a bad rap. Because like real talk, can we put ourselves in her shoes real quick? Real talk. Naomi was like, listen, ain't no food where we are. <laughs> like, we starving, sir. Okay, ma'am, ain't no food. You hear that grumbling? You know why your stomach's on flat, flat? Because you're hungry, hungry. Okay, so what you might as well go ahead and do is go back to your family because uh, we can't support each other and we ain't got no men to support us. And in that time, men were the supporting factors in their lives. So she's like, look, nobody don't got no husbands in these streets. In these particular streets, right? And so y'all might as well go back home and get the covering that you deserve. N Oprah had a little bit of pushback. She was like, no, we going with you. <laughs> I say no more. But then Naomi hit them with the elemental P in verse 11. She said, uh, but Naomi replied, why should you go on with me? Can I still give birth to other sons who could grow up to be your husbands? No. 
My daughter's returned to your parents' home, but I'm too old to marry again. And even if I, if it were possible and I were to get married tonight and bear sons, then what? Would you wait for them to grow up and refuse to marry someone else? No. Of course not, my daughters. Things are far better for me than it is for you because the Lord himself has raised his fist against me. She literally said, let me go ahead and paint the picture that you're getting ready to live out if you stay with me. Ma'am, you're not going to have no sons. Well, I'm, I don't have no sons, right? Um, you're not going to have no husband. And even if I was to go ahead and give birth, you're going to have to wait 40 weeks, like 10 months, right? Then I give birth to him. And then you're going to have to wait at least, I mean, bare minimum. Bare minimum 15 years, you know, 13, 15, around that time. It's a decade and some change. And so by the time that Naomi is painting the fact that she's going to have to get married first, she's going to have to have a baby, the baby's going to have to be a son. You know, God forbid it be two daughters. You're still waiting for her to have a son. Then when she finally have the son, she got you got to wait for the son to get of married age. And then when the son becomes of married age, you're going to wait all that time. And by that time, who's going to look over us? We're going to be starved all that time. By the time Naomi was done, then she hit her with the, you mind is, it's way worse for me because the Lord done curse. So who knows if the son is even going to come through her. By the time she was done, Orpah was like, yeah, let me, let me, let me head out. Yeah, let me head out. And to be quite honest, standing in those shoes, them shoes was made for walking. I think anybody in Orpah's shoes would have been like, yeah, you're right. Um. I forgot the coordinates. Is it west, left, left, right, and then make the sharp turn? That's where my house was at. Because I forgot. Because when y'all came out here, <laughs> y'all came out here and y'all moved me somewhere else. I know I'm a mobile woman, but I forgot where we used to live. It's been a couple of, like, I don't even know if the people move. Like, to tell you the truth, I'm just going to ask, like, hey, did any anybody seen um Mumford? Yeah, the Mumford family. Oh, they... They move like I don't even know if they still there. Yeah, but let me go ahead and, and get this head start because even if I look for them now, I probably will catch up with them faster than it takes for you to go ahead and have the Lord unturn his fist from you and you get a son. That's gonna take a real long time. And I'm hungry now. So to be hungry for another twelve to fifteen years, um twenty years, but mm -mm, I don't know if I'm gonna do that. Imagine trying to push through that. After Naomi so eloquently painted a picture of uh, a poor vision, she killed the dream, even if there was a dream to, to be dreamt. It was, I don't want to hold you, but if I was you, I wouldn't wait on me. Now, it, Oprah was like, you know what? Now that I hear you saying it that way, it saddens me. So let's go ahead and cry one more again. But I'm going to go ahead and head out like the SpongeBob meme. I get it. But Ruth, Ruth was like, um, in verse 16, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. All the other stuff she said, blah, blah, blah. And what does it say in verse 18? How did the mic drop when Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her? She said nothing more. How do you need to shut up the naysayers in your life? The people who want to dream 
kill the dreams in your life. The people who want to infuse doubt into the equation. The people who want to change your heart posture on something that you're trying to stand in faith for. How do you go ahead and deter the people who want to deter? How do you go ahead and make sure that you can press on when it's, when people are trying to pull you away from it? What is the key ingredient? It is determination. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. What aids the spirit of the shut up more than anything else? Because Oprah said no in the beginning. She said no the same way Ruth did. No, I'm going to go with you. Why would you want to go with me? I got this cobweb situation happening. Ain't no man seeing me. I don't even know if a man gonna want me. I'm bitter and all that other stuff. He beat that name of Jesus. Over was like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I ain't gonna. And what no determination in that? It was a determination to make sure that I don't have the life that you just painted out to be. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't want that life to come into pass into fruition. If that's the life. That I'm getting ready to uh, embark on? Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to turn left. I'm going to swipe left. I'm going to do all the things that's opposite from you. And that's the problem. The, the common denominator from most dream casters is that when they speak to a dream killer, they allow the dream killer to paint on colors until their canvas that God never meant for you to see in the first place. That God never intended in the first place. Because you know what? We kind of know a little bit of a spoiler alert, right? With Ruth. We know that Ruth eventually got married because she eventually found Boaz. And she eventually was okay and better off and very wealthy, right? So what ended up not happening anyway? Naomi didn't get married again anyway. Naomi didn't go ahead and have another son to bear for Ruth anyway. Maybe, just maybe, Ruth had faith enough to believe, no, it's going to happen another way. It may not happen the way that you're saying, but I'm determined that I'm not going to be starving for a decade. I'm hungry now. Excuse me. Let's go. (laughs) You said that there was crop back home where you were at, then back home is where we're going. Because where we're at, there's scarcity. Because where we're at at right now, we're starving. And so if starving and scarcity is not what we want, and there's a lucrative crop where we're going, then where we're going is where I'm going. And I'm going with or without you, as a matter of fact. I'm going with you because it's your homeland. I want you to show me around. But I'm going with you also because it's a survival technique. Because there's also something that's implanted in me. Because I feel strong led to go in that direction because it just makes sense because I'm following my spiritual leading because I'm following my instincts so it's bigger than what you're trying to go ahead and paint for me it's the picture that I feel that I want to go ahead and ascertain for myself that's when you know you like oh you want a whole nother level <laughs> that's a whole nother level Oprah, I'm not going to hold you. You can go back home. Somebody somewhere may have some wheat they can go ahead and turn, and I don't know what they do with it. But um, the Bible says that there was crop again where Naomi was from. So I would have kind of looked at Ruth like, before I made that decision, like, Ruth, what, what you finna do? 
Because I'm looking in your eyes and you're not looking like, yeah, I'm going to go over there. Like, it's something different in your eyes. So, like, real talk, um, what you getting ready to do? Come on, Oprah. Iron sharpens iron. But I don't know if you knew that thing. Sometimes you need to look at somebody else that's in the same situation with you, but they have a different posture than you, and they look a little bit stronger than you. And that doesn't make you weak. That makes you have to be like, okay, let me tap into whatever you tapped into because whatever God put in you is going to make sure that we both eat. That's going to make sure that we both survive. So, listen, Jesus. I don't know why you are as comfortable sleeping at the bottom of this boat while this storm is doing what it's doing, but I'm going to have to tap into whatever's going on with you because you look calm and not look scared. So rabbi, rabbi, please wake up because we finna drown, sir. Are we not? Oh, peace be still. What manner of man is this that even the winds and the waves listen to him? Yeah, sometimes you need to look at somebody who's in the same situation as you. I will repeat and look at how they are acting and if it looks different than you more confident than you that doesn't mean you look at yourself in a bad way that means you tap into like okay so what you got going on because I'm gonna need a little bit more of that there's been times I looked at my husband and I'm like bro you way more calm (laughs) um can you give me your mindset and I literally will ask him can you tell me your thought process on this because I want to develop that kind of thought process because the fruit that he was yielding the fruit that he was displaying I realized I may not have that seed but I definitely want to grow that tree and so if you can just tell me how you got there just tell me the coordinates tell me the sunlight tell me the water tell me how you fertilize and I'll make sure that I'll go ahead and plant that very same thing into my life because we in the same situation but we not the same right now and something about that is eerily strategically just attractive to me so I'm a pause I'm a sailor and I'm gonna look a little bit more to see what you doing differently Oprah should have looked at Ruth and said time out why you look different why why you not buckling up your sandals for the for the walk ahead you doing something different. I would have respected Oprah more. She would have pulled Ruth to the side. Like, what you think about what she's saying? Because we were both married to her sons. We are both in this situation. But we don't look the same. So what you getting ready to do? Maybe if Oprah holds, just held off just a few more milliseconds. <laughs> just to see what Ruth was getting ready to do. Because after all, y'all both mobile women, so y'all both will be going in the same direction for the most part, right? I mean, for uh, my goodness, if nothing at all, I want to get props to Oprah for saying, yo, I'm getting ready to go travel by myself because for the last decade, she hasn't been by herself. So for her to say, all right, I'm going to hug it out and then I'm going to walk that way by myself, that's weird. I mean, bare minimum, human instinct would have been like, all right. Like, that's crazy. Naomi, I love you and thank you for everything you did. And your macaroni and cheese still bangs. I'm going to remember, you know, forever. Come on, Ruth, let's go. Because the one thing I'm not about to do is start traveling by myself. I I wish that Oprah would have held out just to hear Ruth go, no. And maybe that would have infused a different determination posture in her. Maybe she would have been like, yo, if your no was no, my no was no too. (laughs) If that shut up Naomi, because Naomi didn't say anything else after that. She didn't have no more tricks up her sleeve. She didn't have no more dream killing statements to make. And so maybe, just maybe, Oprah would have been fed too. May not have married Boaz, but you would have been eaten too. Because unfortunately, after this, Oprah, we don't really know. Um, we don't really know how it panned out for you. But we know that Ruth's name rang bells. We know that she married Boaz. We know that she was the mother of like, yo, like 
she she was the mother of, of like, you just read your Bible. I mean, I'm not going to go ahead. You understand what I'm trying to say? Like, her bloodline, she's in the bloodline of Jesus. Oh, that was a great turnout. All traced back to a woman being determined enough to say, Mm-mm, I know that's how you see the situation now, but that's not the future that I'm accepting. So I, I am not going to allow your current state of bitterness, Naomi, your current state of seeing, you know what, you took a consensus of where we're at. There's no husbands, it's this, that, and the third. I'm not going to allow your consensus to be my conscious effort towards my future. You will not dream kill. You will not deter me for dreaming bigger than how you currently feel at this time. That is so dope. What could you learn from Ruth? Hmm? Is there someone in your life, someone at your job, someone in your family, E or the above, that you're like, I get it. Yes, all of these things that you're saying right now are facts, just the same way Naomi was speaking facts. But I cannot let your perception of the facts dictate my future. I cannot let that happen. That is the equivalent to Dream Killer 101. My challenge to you is tap into determination, tap into painting a different future. And dare to be Ruth when it's easy to be Oprah. Mm. Yo, I feel like I wish I had a, a mic to drop. Like, I wish I could. I'm, I'm finna throw something so it could just like, like, I just needed something like, mm, and then applaud me. Like, that's how I just, I, I feel in this moment. Because that's what I gave. Okay. Because that's exactly what I gave. But listen, I feel like you got what you needed. Mm-hmm. You know what these conversations are? They are life-provoking conversations, conversations that not the average person can have with you, choose to have with you, willing to have with you, but who, your favorite homegirl, also very much um, www.createdtomultiply.com, www.createdthenumber2multiply.com. I need you looking at the Patreon. I need you shopping inspirational messages. The merch line is going up. It's going up. And I need you to be a part of it. Very much plain, simple. The end. That's that. That's that on that. Okay. But I'm going to go ahead and let you let me go. We will talk later because we always do. You are my favorite person to have conversations with. And ain't nothing you can do to change that. Okay. Talk to you later. Later.